tonight on This Is Vinyl Tap. Security will remove anyone who shouts Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom has got it going on. She's all I want and I've waited for so long. Stacy, can't you see? You're just not the girl for me. I know it might be wrong, but I'm in love with Stacy's mom. Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM Long Player Record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice, only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hit. This podcast believes every album tells a story. Tonight, we tell one of those stories. Good evening, Tapsters and Tamparellas. We are having a special day here. This is Texas Independence Day. Oh, that's right. Uh, so we will be celebrating... Uh, Celebrating our independence from the United... I mean, <laughs> I, I have to look that up. <laughs> also, it's uh, Ash Wednesday, so Tony shouldn't be laughing over there. That's be right. Much I, should more be, I should be flagellating yeah. myself. Should have it. It's hard not to be happy with the album we're talking about tonight. We have a, we have a really fun album, and we're going to get to that in just a moment, but we have some housekeeping chores. I hate that phrase. Um, if anyone wants to write in and say, why do you use such a trite phrase like housekeeping? I'll be on your side when you do that. <laughs> we have, we've made a massive decision here at This Is Vinyl Tap. We are implementing a new directive. As you know, any change in what we do here requires a two-thirds majority. <laughs> this is, luckily, this was a three-thirds yeah. This was unanimous. Yeah. And uh, this is Directive 13. From now on, we are prohibited from talking about the record we're going to talk about until we are recording. So uh, it is hoped that you will get to hear some of the surprise uh, that some of us carry out uh, when we find out what the other guy thinks or uh, we have a little surprise for him about how bad his record is or something like that. You guys don't want to know what the other 12 directives were. <laughs> well, I try. Most of those are, are, are we're not allowed air. to discuss yeah. on air. Ladies and gentlemen, because of the uh, mitigating circumstances around the Omicron virus, we are able to be together once again in the good old vinegar room. <laughs> and I am joined by our co-host, Power Pop Tony. Howdy, howdy. And uh, he's living up to his name tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And we also <laughs> are joined with the extremely humble, the the ultimate in humility, <laughs> Jonathan J.M. Rowe. Good evening, Tapsters. Okay, guys, let's uh, 
let's tell everybody what record we're doing tonight, even though they should be able to tell by uh, downloading this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight, as I said, is a pick from Tony, and this is Welcome Interstate Managers by Fountains of Wayne. This is something else, ladies and gentlemen. Um, This is a, uh, I guess it's a New Jersey band, even though... uh, they get you know the states up there are so close together. I don't know why they even bother calling them states. But uh, you got a guy from New Jersey, you got a guy from uh, New York, Massachusetts, you got maybe a New Yorker, and then they all. Uh, anyway, I'll let Tony go over the history about the the two main guys and where they met at school and all that. Um, we have a very very accessible album. We have a uh, a band that. It seems to me should be much more popular than they are. Amen. Amen. And we have uh, this album came out in uh, 2003. 2003. Uh, Tony? Yeah. One of the things I do, it's kind of a style point for me, is I always ask uh, the guy who picks the album, why did you pick this album? Well, I was anticipating that. Uh, really? Because I knew you were going to do that, oh, and becoming uh, predictable. <laughs> my first line in my notes is: After listening to this for the last couple of weeks, do you really need to ask that question? Why I picked it? Um, this this is uh, this is a a power pop band. This this is this band Fountains of Wayne are latter day power pop royalty in a lot of ways. Um, as a power pop fan. When their debut came out in September of 96, it was really reason to celebrate. It came out at the tail end of Grunge's commercial peak. It was on a major label. It was on Atlantic. Uh, that wasn't long-lived, but it was on Atlantic. It was getting radio play. It was. It, it, it seemed as if maybe there was a slight change in the way radio was going to be treating melodic music again. It sounds like you're saying that this is not a grunge album. <laughs> no, this is a power pop album. That was their debut I was talking about. But the album we're talking about tonight is uh, is close as it's close to a power pop masterpiece in my opinion. Uh, there's a couple of low points on it, um, but in comparison to the rest of the stuff, I, I want to add. But in and in a dis- discography that's really as fantastic as this band's discography, um, it's probably their most cohesive work in my opinion uh again that's not knock every i'm going to say this probably multiple times tonight uh you should listen to everything this band put out but this album tonight stands out to me as being a little bit special um i think that bears uh fruit with the fact that it was reissued recently um on lp on vinyl uh, in one of those double vinyl formats where they have three songs per side to give it a little bit more fide- more fidelity. It was remastered. It is the it is the best remastered album I've listened to really? in the last twenty years. It sounds remarkable. Wow. I owe knowing that came out to my friend Rich, who I've mentioned before on this podcast. Uh, he is a power pop guy as well. Um, he and I both I think danced uh, in the streets when their when Fountains of Wayne debut came out, but. The other thing I want to mention about why I think it's 
important to talk about this band and this album in particular is there is a lyrical depth to these songs that you don't always get with what people consider a power pop music. Um, and there's an emotional depth to the music as well. Yeah. Particularly on this album, I think. Um, the other thing they do is they use humor really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and humor's big in their, in their music. Um, it, it's funny because I think a lot of that has, um, been a hindrance to them because I think people who give them a, a casual listen don't treat them seriously. And in fact, Adam Schlesinger, one of the founders of the band in an interview talked about that and said, you know, we're not trying to be weird Al Yankovic or ween. I thought that was pretty funny. You <laughs> mentioned ween, but he said, but humor's a part of real life. And it's part of reflecting who we are sometimes is to make you make things. It makes you smile a little bit. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Chris Collingwood has said that uh, he really has an issue with songwriters that take themselves way too seriously. So humor is important to him as well. Mm-hmm. And he brings up grunge. And the only reason I'm bringing this up, because Doug, you mentioned grunge, and it just gives me another reason to kind of throw grunge under the bus. <laughs> he says, um, he talks about how humorless it is. And he used to, I love this phrase. He goes, all the Eddie Vedders in the world, uh, which I think is a pretty funny, I think that paints a good picture. Um <laughs> You know, uh, they just take themselves way too seriously. So, anyway, um, he, uh, you know, he's a Chris is a big Beatles fan. He's a big Hollies fan. He's a big Zombies fan. All of that can be heard here. I mean, this is kind of a certainly a a. Uh, I mean, it's influential. It's not. It's not. Um, this album is not. Does not sound like the Beatles or the Hollies or the Zombies, but there are moments when it does. And that's good because yeah. they've taken the, that influence and made something remarkable with it. Um, and then finally, uh, a couple of the last two things. They are um, there's a, a a strain of melancholy that that goes throughout all of their albums, even though they're funny. There's it, they remind me of Big Star in that way. They don't sound like Big Star. But Big Star has that same feel, especially on that first right. Big Star album. The songs, the, the the songs don't really match what you're listening to musically. Um, there's a there's a weird Attention. kind, of, yeah. And so uh, I, I've I've always been attracted to that kind of more melancholy feel to their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why um, they were the first band to play Conan O'Brien show after 9/11. He had them on, and they did a version of the Kinks' "Better Days," which is a fa- oh, it's God, fantastic. A fantastic. I'll, I'll post. It's song. a great song. I'll post. I saw that today, and yeah. uh, actually watched that. That's one of my favorite songs in the whole world. Yeah, They do a, they do it justice. They do a great job yeah. with it, and they uh, they have a really good way of using quiet and loud. They do and absolutely that. They they exemplified it on that show. 
the last thing I want to talk about, or the reason why I want to talk about this, is it gives us a reason to talk about Adam Schlesinger, who unfortunately died of complications from COVID early in the pandemic in 2020. Yeah. He is, by all accounts, a musical genius. He seems to be the writer, the first writer. I know they, they both write, but he seems to be an exceptional writer who's who has uh, talent spilling all over the place outside of this band. And um, I guess a, a wonderful producer. A, yeah, he, mixer. He's, yeah, he's, engineer. He's made a crystal clear album here. Yeah. My question involves around the fact that this great talent is the bass player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, and it, just to make a, clear the record a little bit um they they've got this kind of uh lennon mccartney right thing going on with their songwriting credit so it's difficult to tell who wrote what but the first album was mostly chris collingwood and then i think it was four fifty fifty for utopia parkway their second album and then when they got dropped from atlantic after that album uh, chris collingwood kind of got into a funk and he just stopped creating and so Adam Schlesinger took up the slack for this album and, and tried to get him back in, in the writing mood. They write independently. They don't sit down and write together. So it's very similar to the Beatles where they come up with an idea and then the other guy brings, says, oh, we'll, we'll do this or do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he is, um, I mean, just to touch on it, he wrote that thing you do from that Tom Hanks movie. You doing that thing you do. If you look online, it appears that that may not have even been the name of the movie, but that song was so great <laughs> they wanted to focus <laughs> they, on it. They renamed the movie. I don't know. That's kind of what I, I was always under the That's impression. That's a Mercy Beat song. Yeah, it really it is. is yeah. Um, you know, I spend so much time listening to songs about sexy tractors. I have no idea what Mercy <laughs> Beat means. Mercy Beat is, uh, so the River Mercy, which um, runs in the northwestern portion of the UK through Liverpool, and I think Wales is on the other side, maybe. I, I, I apologize for not knowing my geography there, but definitely Liverpool runs through Liverpool. So Mercy Beat uh, was uh, what the the bands from that area of the country were doing i in, including the beatles and jerry and, the uh, jerry and the pacemakers and it was a it was sort of a, a rockier version of skiffle stuff yeah um and um and it's you know it's that that classic early 60s beatles sound which is just so great. It's such a great sound. And and it's still influencing people. Yeah. yeah. And that song, that Thing You Do song, is definitely in that vein. I was always under the impression that he, and I think I said this when I talked about Mike Viola in, in, the, in one of the Violation podcasts, I was always under the impression that he had, there were a bunch of, they were just seeking versions of the song and people sent them in and he won the contest. But I read recently that he actually got I think he got that deal through a writing part or not a partnership, but a writing gig. He was writing for some publishing music publishing company. And so they, they tapped him to write that theme song. So oh. I don't know what the true story is, but regardless, it's, it's a fantastic song. Um, and it just goes to show Did you, you see that movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Okay. It's a great movie. 
This um, Tom Hanks guy's pretty good. He is. <laughs> and it just goes to show you how effortlessly this guy was able to knock stuff off. I mean, you talked about him being a producer. He is solely responsible for another album I've talked about on the podcast that I recommended early on, which was that that 2017 Monkeys album. He wrote some of the songs for that. He produced it. He got them back in the studio. He got them back in the mindset that, hey, we're going to give you a slew of songs written by contemporary or modern day contemporaries of me, i.e. Adam Schlesinger, but they're all going to be geared towards you and kind of getting back in that that mode that the monkeys were in. And that album is so great. Just look on our recommendations page, but Adam Schlesinger co-wrote a couple of songs and produced that. He just, um, yeah, he was a remarkable guy. It's really, really a shame that he's, you know, he's and no he longer with And he was kind of prolific towards the end. Too. Absolutely. He was on that, uh, crazy ex-girlfriend. He wrote so many songs for television. He's, he's won. He's Emmys. won two Emmys. Yeah. Um, he, he was, uh, the music writer for the Dana Carvey show. That's right. Which I don't know what the hell that is. But. <laughs> that was a sh- it was a it was a uh, skit show that was on for not very long because Dana Carvey kept pissing off his advertisers by making fun of them, and they would drop advertising. And <laughs> well, you notice we don't do that here, ladies and gentlemen. So if anyone um, ever does want to advertise with us, we will. Uh, directive uh, fourteen will be don't make fun of advertisers. <laughs> Yeah. He was in a band called Ivy that... uh, They're like a French pop band. Um, The lead singer was French. And and that's really kind of how the Fountains of Wayne got their gig with Atlantic. Because I think Ivy was already signed with one of their subsidiaries. And so when Chris Collingwood moved to New York, because Adam Schlesinger was always already there, they got together and started writing stuff. Well, J.M. was wondering where they got the name Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> so it's a, it was a suggestion of Adam Schlesinger's mom. It's a, it's a lawn ornament store in Wayne, New Jersey, uh, <laughs> called Fountains of Wayne. Uh, and Chris Collingwood admits that he, when he heard his, he when he, heard, it, he, right? he thought it was the stupidest name on the planet. He's like, what? It's a great name, I think. But well, uh, it's strange that a mother would think that was a name for a band. I know. It was almost prescient because these guys have a real sense of place in their song. That's right. Yeah. And so it makes sense that they would be named after some place that was familiar to them. Right. I, I, I understand evidently. Kind that, of mundane, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I understand that, that Fountains of Wayne showed up on The Sopranos all the time. I've never watched The Sopranos, so I don't know, but evidently it pops up on The Sopranos. T! I know, I'm sorry. I know. That's where you get your nickname. Well, we're going to be talking about Sopranos a lot in about four weeks, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, just to briefly go into some of the history with them, uh, uh, independently, they were both kind of listening to the same type of music. Adam Schlesinger discovered the Beatles early on when his his aunt gave him a bunch. He was three years old. His aunt gave him a bunch of Beatles albums, and he just got obsessed with them. Yeah. And then in middle school, he got into Steve Miller and the Cars. Um, and very they, uh, obvious. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if you listen to my favorite song on their, on their second album is called Red Dragon Tattoo. Red Dragon Tattoo.
and the keyboards in that are so Steve. So Mil- they're Steve. so Steve Millery. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I heard a song in here uh, that I heard the cars all yeah, over. I know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the cars are an obviously influence. Yeah. Um, but uh, he also wh- what happened? You know, he becomes a kind of what my friend Jeff in England calls an anorak which is he just starts obsessing about music and learning more and more and more about music. And he gets, he just gets really extensive knowledge, which uh, gave him a whole lot of stuff to draw on. Chris Collingwood was a big Tom Petty freak, huge Tom Petty freak, and also the cars. So that was sort of how, how kind of their base. They met at Williams college in Massachusetts. And um, according to the story, there were, Every, it was such a small college that every musician there knew every musician. They started playing around together. Hmm. Um, uh, they started playing covers, doing you know, doing whatever. They had some pretty crazy names. I mean, you think Fountains of Wayne's weird. They had, <laughs> they had the two that I thought were pretty pretty crazy. One was called "Are You My Mother," and yeah. the other one was three men who, when standing side by side, have the wingspan of over twelve feet." <laughs> Which. Um, <laughs> That they might have abbreviated that in conversation on the radio, so that might not have been a a good choice. <laughs> Probably. Um, and they had Woolly Mammoth. Yeah. Well, and the, then they had another name yes, that everybody knows about. Yes, the Wallflowers. So they were called the Wallflowers <laughs> up until the point that Jacob Dylan decided he wanted to buy the name off of them. So uh-huh. the debut Fountains of Wayne album came out in '96. They were the Wallflowers before then, so they may have been around the same time. But anyway. You didn't see the uh, birds ever offer to pay out the other That's birds. true. That's true. Well, they spelt it with a Y. I guess if you'd spelled wallflowers with one L and three zeros or something, it would have been <laughs> nice. So British. Um, anyway, they when when they go to – we talked briefly about them hooking up in New York. Um, they're signed to a small indie label called uh, – under, under the name Pinwheel. That was the name of the band at the time. And they were dropped before the album ever came out. And as a result of their relationship with this label, they ended up in kind of a legal purgatory where they were tied to the label. The label didn't want them doing anything else, but they weren't going to release their album. So for a couple of years, they couldn't do anything, and they kind of broke off. And that's where Schlesinger joined Ivy. That sounds like uh, Southwest Conference football back in the day when (laughs) Texas would give 300 kids a scholarship to keep them from playing anywhere else. Yeah, so... um, Anyway, they because of Ivy, they got some. They 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 were still hanging out and playing, but they weren't doing doing much. Uh, Chris Co- Chris Collingwood actually was playing in a country band at the time, um, and uh, that's apparent with some of the music on yeah. this that there's a that very very much yeah. uh, country influence on. But anyway, um, not to drone on and on and on. They end up uh, getting some songs together for a debut called Fountains of Wayne, and um, and they were the two. Instrument, yeah, they're, they're, it's a duo. The album's a duo before the other two guys end up joining the band, which they needed. Uh, a, they needed a second guitarist and a drummer uh, to fill out the band when they toured. Um, but uh, got, when talking just briefly about the whole Linda McCartney thing, the reason they decided to do that was neither one of them wanted to fight over that stuff later on. Yeah, um, but it does make it difficult for guys like us to determine who wrote stuff if that matters at all. Uh, Adam Schlesinger says he doesn't think it, or said he didn't think it was important to dissect a band that way. And maybe not this band. Other bands it kind of is, but maybe not so much yeah, this way. I don't know. I, I am always very curious about the songwriter. Well, 
it, it, what's interesting about this band is uh, after their debut, their albums start to take on a kind of a theme, a cohesive theme. Right. And, and not all the songs hit that theme, but 80 to 90% of them do. But they're writing separately and coming to the same sort of conclusion mm-hmm. about what they're writing about, which I find fascinating. Um, but anyway, so they, they record this debut. It took them a week, cost $5,000. They spent, they said they spent more money mixing it than they did recording it. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so they just wanted to get in the studio and knock it out. It sold 125,000 copies in the U S it's great. If you haven't listened to it, um, uh, it's again, full of humor, a couple of great, just punchy two minute pop power pop songs. Uh, leave the biker if you haven't heard that song is a fantastic yeah, a fantastic song. song funny as hell um but again not in kind of a uh not in a weird owl way but just in a this is you know just he- using humor he's got his arm around every man's dream and his beard from the seafood special oh can't you see my world is falling apart baby please the biker leave the biker break his heart baby please leave the biker leave the biker so it's got a great line where the guy's talking about the biker and he says he wonders if he ever cried when his kitten if his when his kitten died got run over and died which i thought was pretty funny anyway uh real quick about that album because i find this fascinating um there's a do you guys know about the controversy about the album cover i do not uh, on the first one, yeah, with the kid with the cape, or whatever. yeah, which is a fantastic album cover, very it's, power pop. It's very uh, uh, Bieber Nelsonian. Well, they they the the phot- photograph is by a guy, a British guy named Nick Walpington. That's not the controversy. Is that the, a British guy can take a the, picture. The controversy was that he had already sold the picture to a British power pop band called the flamingos to use on their uh album plastic jewels which was released two weeks before <laughs> the fountains of wayne album was released so there were in in the U- uk and in europe there were two albums with the same album cover on them so they changed the cover in the in the europe and the uk they kept the cover in the u.s because they said the picture was just just too damn good not to use but yeah, this guy had sold the official the rights to two different people. Um, well, anyway. I wonder what happened to the kid. I don't know. That's a He's good question. Probably the only one in his school to end up on two album covers. But they end up uh, they end up like you said, patting the band out to play live. They get um, guitarist Jody Porter and the um, and the drummer Brian Young, who's a who was with the Posies. They become official members for the touring band, and then they go in and record every subsequent album after this. It's funny. It's interesting. Uh, Brian Young said that when he when he found out about the gig, he went to try out, and he ended up playing Swingtown. <laughs> right about this, yeah. <laughs> playing Swingtown by um, Steve, Steve Miller, Miller band. and yeah. they all just felt they just fell right right <laughs> you know in love with each other. So I think it's kind of funny that Steve Miller, a Texan, by the way, yeah, um, is that why we're in, uh, experts yeah, on this? Uh, maybe, experts, maybe. Yeah. I didn't know how we were going to pull that off. <laughs> I tell you another thing that we couldn't pull off this week, as far as I know, is. A game of connections. Yeah. Surprisingly. <laughs> I thought I was the king of the Jersey sound. I thought I knew all about it. And here comes, quite honestly, I'd never heard of this band before at all. Really? And, well, 
You, knew, straight, St- you knew Stacy's mom, though, didn't you? That's it. And yeah. I, I want to say something about that before we go any further. Okay. When Tony said he was going to do this album, I said, what? And I, he goes, you've heard at least one of their songs. And then he told me what it was. And I went, oh, <laughs> that's, uh, it's, that to me is a cutesy little, almost a novelty tune um, that I just completely dismissed because of the video. And uh, I, we have to remember that this was also during my dark ages when uh, I was uh, contemptuous of everything new and wasn't. It's it, you know I didn't make it all the way to grunge. I was gone before oh, grunge. I wish I could so, have uh, ignored yeah. grunge. But if you're one of these people that's going, oh, it's Stacy's mom band. Bye. Uh, you're doing <laughs> yourself a disfavor. Yeah, you uh, really are. And uh, I want to say something about that. That probably uh, when you hear about a blessing and a curse, I don't know if there's a better example of a blessing and a curse than than this band and Stacy's mom. Yeah. And what I mean by that is. Uh, when they play, they have all these idiots that never heard their, any of the other songs that keep shouting for that song. Um, and then it makes people think they're a one-hit wonder, which is very dismissive of a lot of great music. And there's probably a lot of people out there who would love this record that don't give it a shot because they're thinking of Stacy's mom. So, Well, they got, um, they got nominated for a Grammy for Best New Artist. For this album, after, how after, many records? after putting out, after already putting out two albums, um, yeah, just yeah. So I, I agree, it's a blessing because they both saw it that way too. Um, I think uh, Chris Collinwood says it the best when he says Adam Schlesinger is much too great of a songwriter to just be remembered for that song. And of course, when yep. he died, yeah. that's all people talked about was that song and that thing you do. Uh, both of which are fine songs. But they just scratch the surface on this guy's talent. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, kind of, you think about that's what happens. I mean, it's, uh, you live this full life and then you, that's what you're remembered for. But hopefully we're going to, I'm not saying we're any, I'm not patting ourselves on the back or saying we're any great, whatever, but hopefully we can correct some people's perceptions of this band and that guy talking tonight because I think it's worthwhile doing it. Well, let's just make it clear that this is not an album full of Stacy Moms. Um, no. I that mean, it, that song obviously was a, a very playful thing they were doing, but there's uh, meat and uh, songs of substance all through this record. Right. And before we get to the album, there's just a couple more things I want to talk about. So they, they go in, they do their second album, Utopia Parkway, which was their first sort of thematic album. That was really focused on the suburban teenage years. Um, again, not every song fits that mold, but that was kind of the running theme through it. Um, they get dropped by Atlantic because the album doesn't do very well. Um, it's, it's interesting because, uh, either one of them, either Chris Collinwood or Alan Schlesinger says if that album had come out in the eighties and sold the way it did, uh, for like for college radio numbers, th- it wouldn't have been a big deal. But when they, that album came out in the late nineties, that the whole record industry had changed. So mm-hmm. Atlanta didn't want to deal with them. So they dropped them. Um, uh, I just love the justice of, I love these guys that drop bands and then, and then they the get a monster hit. album. Yeah. I, I, I did want to say that before that album came out, they did something that I, you know how I talk about hand claps and all the stuff that I love. I got a note on that on this. Album, they released the <laughs> a Christmas single, which is so old school pop. It's so great, and it's a, it's a great song. It's a it's an it's a 
I would call it a double A side, but it's an A and a B side as a CD Christmas singles. Um, Alien for Christmas and Man in the Santa Suit. And if you want to l- listen to Man in the Santa Suit, because it's that it's the perfect distillation of Fountains of Wayne. It's funny and it's sad and it's poignant. And it's a song about this guy who's a mall Santa, but it's, it's, it's really remarkable. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I love this band so much, but anyway, so they dropped from Atlantic. They, um, even though that album Utopia Parkway was on tons of critics, top 10 lists, um, by the end of the year, this is the thing. These guys are critics, darlings, people, uh, people who actually, I hate, I hate to say a good thing about critics, but people who actually listen to music for a living. Yeah get this band in a way that the the record buying public didn't for some reason. But anyway, they get dropped and Chris Collingwood kind of becomes fairly yeah. nose dives. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh but while they're off, Schlesinger, who is, you know, got a very prodigious co-wrote several songs for Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack, which he said was one of his favorite things he ever did. Um and uh, released a third album with Ivy, and they produced albums by Verb Pipe, by They Might Be Giants. Um, so, you know, uh, he was busy. But anyway, he finally gets Collingwood back to start writing stuff, and the result is the album we're talking about. Today. And well, yeah, it, not only, they, didn't, they were not signed to a label, and they were trying to shop themselves around saying, hey, let's can yeah. you produce an album for us? Will you give us some some dough and everybody said, yeah, um, but let's hear some demos. And we're just like, no, we're not, we're not doing demos. We're going to. And so Schlesinger actually booked a studio for them to record. And so this album was made on Adam Schlesinger's dime. Yeah. And he did like we were talking about earlier, he did some of the engineering, the, the mixing, some of the producing and uh yeah so they got free of the the label and they made one of the best albums that well easily probably their best album of their career well you can't criticize the production or the engineering and all and if you listen to this remaster lp it is it's it's remarkable um i do want to say one more thing before we get into talking about the album and the song um early in their career they were labeled right from the get-go as a power pop band and they pushed back against that a little bit. They said, oh, no, we're a rock rock band. We're a rock band. Um, and I get that. Tail end of grunge. You know, you, you say power pop and you're immediately... To, to your, what you talk about a lot, Doug, with labels, you're immediately pigeonholed to something else. Um, but I think by the time this album came out, they embraced that wholeheartedly because you can't... <laughs> you can't say that this thing isn't dripping with all of that kind of mentality of a band going in and creating, you know, wanting to do power pop music, because that's exactly what this is. There's there's no way they can say it now. There's one more reason they can never claim not to be a power pop album. Yeah. Well, there's... Tony picked them up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were other bands at this time that were doing something similar. I think of, like, Cake, you know, and, and... but. That had those kind of well crunchy guitars, but still just yeah. did not have the musicality that these guys obviously have. Well, it's it's odd to me. There are lots of bands in the history of the '90s that were, in my opinion, like power Travis, pop bands yeah, and- that said they weren't. I'll talk about a local band that felt that way, which was um, 
uh, Fastball. Yeah. Fastball is a power pop band. They tried to distance themselves from that label as much as they possibly could, which pissed off a bunch of power pop fans. Yeah, They're like, wait a minute, we're, yeah. we're your loyal listeners. You're going to sit there and badmouth us? And so I think that was a, not a great thing, but it's an odd thing that you, you're like, oh, we write tuneful music with lots of jangly guitars and lots of harmony. We don't want to associate with any of those other bands that do the same thing. Very odd to me, but I get it, I guess. Jam. Uh, yes, sir. You know, it takes a two-thirds majority for us to decide anything in this group. <laughs> and I'm considering a, a new uh, segment in our program uh -oh. called... Making Tony angry. <laughs> I guess I can gonna, second that, but I I'm, guess there's going to be. There's gonna well, be. <laughs> I, I would like to start out with an example. Um, I listened to this record a lot, and I enjoyed this record a lot. And there were a few times while listening that I said, this sounds like Yankee Hotel, Hotel Foxtrot. Fox <laughs> <laughs> you mean the moments in Yankee can... Hotel Foxtrot when it actually sounds like a tune is being played? <laughs> Those moments? Yeah. You should see the veins popping out. Of <laughs> no, I, when we talked about that album, I talked about those moments that I that made me so mad because they weren't lasting moments. Mm -hmm. um, I don't listen. I like Wilco. I like Jeff Tweedy. I just don't understand that album. Maybe I will one day. Maybe I'll. Maybe Jam. I did hear some weird noises. I did hear some weird noises, some percolating synthesizers. I, I'm going to go ahead and say I liked it. Yeah. I liked what I heard, but it did bring back memories. Well, uh, you know, I, I was I was worried about doing this album because I wasn't sure how you would take it. But I at, coming in tonight, I, I was no longer worried because you being a lyric guy, there's no way you could dislike this album. This this album has amazing lyrics in it. <laughs> well, these guys pay attention to the words they're writing down. Absolutely. It, yeah. Uh, I, 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 this is of any album I've ever heard before. I would say that the record company doesn't need to print the lyrics for the songs to this album <laughs> because nobody sings <laughs> and articulates lyrics more clearly. Yeah. The, it's, it's, there's no obfuscation in anything that he's, and there's no extraneous. It's the opposite of Elton John. I don't, if you ask people to sing Rocket Man, you get 20 different <laughs> set of lyrics. And, and just going back to, to that label thing, I don't know how a guy who sings like Chris Conwood could do anything other than be in a power pop band. Because right. that is such a power pop voice. I mean, yeah. it's almost the perfect voice. Oh, he's got a great voice. <laughs> you know? I, but, but think about him. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Stevie Raybon can't sing tonight because of laryngitis. We have Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's my point. I would, it would, <laughs> would not work at all. <laughs> that's my point. And, and and going back to that whole sort of melancholia infused yep. in there, his voice is perfect for that yeah. too. Yeah. No, he's and but it's a, it's not. It's a good voice. I mean, no, it he, is. he can do some pretty. You yeah, get some falsettos, and he's yeah. like like. It's, um, it's uh, and he's a firm baritone like I am, but he can actually hit. It's he, a perfect combo for yeah. the music. Uh, this album has sixteen songs on it. There's a lot of songs on this. There album. are. Yeah. Now here's a question for the two of you, uh -huh. Jim. Please let Tony answer first. All right. If Derek and the Dominoes made an album this long, what would happen? Uh, it would be 
seven LPs. <laughs> Is that what you're looking for? Um, I, I I'll be honest, and we'll get to it. It probably should be 14 songs. Well, you and I are going to agree a lot tonight, Tony. Yeah, I think we're going to agree. All three of us are going to um, agree. There, I, there's a third song that I've talked to some people who have some issues with the third song. I don't agree with those people. I think the third song that shouldn't be on this album should be on the album because it's great. But yeah, there's a couple of songs I think that just don't fit fit the sound and and to be honest, aren't just aren't really worthy of being on this album. But yeah. we'll get there. The so the, the, again, thematic album. Not every song hits it, but for the most part, this album is about alienated 20-something, single suburban-raised dudes living in the city and wistfully wanting more from their lives. <laughs> is that a pretty good summation pretty of this? Good, so, yeah, I think so. I think and that's I, a great one. I'm, there are some influences on this record that you, can, that you can hear, and I'm not criticizing that because everybody it was influenced by somebody, so yeah. that's not bad. But I think there's a movie that influenced some of these songs. <laughs> and uh, that movie is why we're in charge tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because Mike Judge is right here in Austin, Texas. And the movie is Office Space. I, kept, yeah, I, I was driving, listening to it, and I go, I can't wait till I can stop and look up what year I, Office Space came out. Uh, I thought, oh, I don't want to talk about Office Space. But you can't, you can't, you gotta, you gotta, I think you got to give a nod to that. It's yeah. the same. It's the same oh, sort just of a description. It's, outlook. it's, it's the same outlook. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. and what I love about that and this record is you don't have to explain that to people. What's that like? I yeah. Mean, there's not well, very many people who Well, I'm just wondering where world. it came from. I, that's one of the I'll, I'll things in my notes is like where did he come up with the idea I think I know where it came from. It's a generational thing because it was think about how old we were when these albums came out. We were just sort of, our generation was just starting to get in that part of their adulthood where it was really responsible. We were out of college. We were yeah. trying to figure some things out and it, we hated it. We all hated it. Yeah. Um, well, and, and it's, uh, the people who become the, the managers of these kind of things, they get into this stuff yeah. right. in a way that people who get into music. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the guys, I hate to bring this guy up again, but the manager guys that are real into the corporate speak and uh, yeah. we're going to utilize our resources and yeah. circle back around next <laughs> week and that whole crowd, they're listening to Jimmy Buffett right now on the weekend. That's what they do yeah. when they're trying to cut loose. Looking for their lost shaker assault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah, totally. So anyway... <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, it's, I really think there's a connection there. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I do think that I nobody do think that's successful in their business spends the kind of time we do reading liner notes. Yeah, I, I agree. But I do think that the generational thing is something you can't discount because uh, yeah. my my grandfather would not have been. I mean, he might have wistfully been looking for something else, but he wouldn't have been bitching about it the way these guys are. Yeah. You know, he just well, would have no, done it. It was true. a job. And, and, uh, but I bet your grandfather kept his nose to the grindstone. He did. I bet he didn't have a podcast where he <laughs> didn't have a podcast. Did, did all this nonsense no, we do didn't. every week. No. And for free, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to this first song. <laughs> um, this song's called Mexican Wine, and I don't know why. I'm going to get Tony to explain it to well, him. Summertime 
Well, um, first of all, it <laughs> it starts off the album perfectly in this, it, not just musically, but theme wise, yeah. because it's about at least the first two verses are about these people who have very little control over their, their circumstances and still get screwed. <laughs> the first guy gets blown up in a cellular phone explosion. The second one, the woman dies of a heart attack because she mistakenly left her pills in the, in the glove box. But while all that's going on, guess what? Guess what still happens in the summertime? <laughs> the sun still shines. Signs, yeah. I think Mexican wine is, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I was trying to figure out where that came from. I think it is, of all the wines, the one that is the least concerned with being anything other than just something you enjoy to <laughs> kind of cut loose and get drunk. And I'm talking mainly about sangria. But yeah, I'm probably, I was thinking sangria. Because it's not, you know, other wines. Nobody are, goes, oh, that's a fine sangria. Yeah, when you're drinking well, Mexican. sangria is not even a wine. It's yeah, a it's mixture. A mixture right? of wine and fruit. Well, okay. But regardless, I mean, I don't think you could say sangria wine because then you're going to have Jerry Jeff Walker breathing down your neck. So you say Mexican <laughs> wine. Um, I think it's just that idea of something that's just enjoyed for the pure purpose of helping you forget life's worries i lived in mexico for a considerable amount of time and they're not known for their wines i never saw wine anywhere <laughs> that's why i'm guessing they're talking about sangria but just the uh, yeah just i don't lyrically I don't know. lyrically mexican wine sounds these right these guys are so far up north they probably don't even <laughs> maybe not yeah they but, uh, maybe not i mean this song is despite the humor in it and the the theme of it it is sophisticated as oh hell there the is music is the music is i mean there yeah. are key changes the there's two key changes and the, one is when the guitar solo comes in and the guitar solo is fantastic well it's one of the things i'm going to say right now the guitar player in this band does not show off and well he, he does what i always talk about he serves the song. Should do. Yeah. And we're talking about Jody Porter. Jody Porter. That's right. He he but the solos on this album are perfect for the songs they're in. Perfect. And they're all different. They're perfect all for the different. songs. Yep. Um, they're crunchy when they need to be. Yeah. They're they're soft when they need to be. They're jangly when they need to they're be. Appropriate Everything. All the time. Absolutely. All the time. They uh I'll tell you who he reminds me of. And don't write in on. They don't sound anything alike, because that's not what I'm saying. He reminds me of Mike Campbell. What he does is he does less than you want him to. Yeah. yeah. And you're going, go, go, go. Yeah. yeah, you can oh, do it, you more. can do it. Yeah. And he goes, no, that's all you're going to get. I think, so you're I think sitting there waiting for some more. It makes yeah. sense, considering how much Chris Collingwood loved Tom Petty, yeah. that he yeah. probably, that was an influence on how we're going to fill these songs um, going yeah. forward. Yeah. This was the second single on the album. First one being Stacy's mom, which was a monster hit. This was not a monster hit. This was. A I have no is, idea why. This song I think is it's much be, better. And the only <laughs> reason I can think of is that it's just uh, it's too sophisticated. It's, but the, just just that idea. So you know, I forever would listen to that first line. And again, we talk about how we listen to things differently when we're preparing for this thing. You listen to that first line. I just sing along with it gleefully, not really thinking oh, yeah. about it. But then when you look at it, this guy dies. After he's cremated and they spread his ashes on the ocean, then that water they take and they do something with it. Yeah. And then that last bit, the wheels of promotion are set into motion. So <laughs> this guy's death results in. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. It's a, just a, um, a stream of consciousness kind of, he just takes a 
theme and runs with it. But it and it's and it's got and I again going to that Mexican wine thing, I think there's a bit of a kind of a case Sarah Sarah thing going on here. You know, what will be will be yeah. type of thing. I think that's another reason why the idea of Mexican wine fits. Uh it's just a symbol of yeah. like the least sophisticated wine you can get, but right. that'll do the job. <laughs> there's a lot of drinking in this album. We got a a little bit of a rocker coming up here. Uh, a bright future in sales. It's, it's funny. I, my first line is right out of the gate. This song rocks. I got a new computer and a bright future in sales. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A bright future in sales. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Heading for the airport on a misty morning. Gonna catch a flight to Baltimore. It does. It's a, it's a, it's um, got that cool guitar part that comes in, and it's got this another synthes- cool synthesizer part. I, I, I love the riff at the end of the first line of each stanza. That yeah. yeah. And I love the little, I don't know what it is, I guess it's a keyboard, that little ping ring that comes yeah, in yeah. in the chorus. Um, also, we've talked about this, a solo is perfect for this song. Um, this is kind of the first song about that hits that theme about the futility of being a young, upwardly mobile adult. Yeah. And hating it. Um, I think this character, it's funny, this character is drunk in this song in every stanza. And and it's like this weird, vicious circle. I don't know if he's drunk because he if the job if he hates his job so he drinks. Yeah. Or 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 he's bad at his job because he drinks. It's like this weird kind of circular logic going he, on. I love it. He's, he's got a great computer and he's got a bright future in sales. And this kind of embraces the office space mentality yeah. as, that yeah. you mentioned, Doug. But uh yeah, it's definitely I you don't know if this guy's like I said, if he's drunk if he's bad at his job because he's drunk or he's drunk because he's bad at his job. It's kind of a little <laughs> column A, a little column B. If you're listening to this in your car, regardless of whether it's 120 degrees <laughs> or zero degrees outside, you're rolling the windows down, you're turning the volume up yeah. and you're speeding down the highway, screaming at the top of your lungs. Yep. And here at, uh, this is vinyl tap. We of course run a clear, clean broadcast uh i want to warn people that there is an expletive in this <laughs> song uh, the gentleman is saying that one day he's gonna get his doo-doo together except yeah. he doesn't have the good taste to say doo-doo, doo-doo. Yeah. yeah but it's also that cyclical thing is like oh i know i gotta i gotta get i gotta get this going but i love what's the line about he's <laughs> He can't even open his eyes, but thank good he's not driving. You know, I don't have to drive, so it's okay that I'm that hungover, you yeah. know. And he's but, about to give a presentation yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, the next song was used in a uh, Cadillac ad. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. A very attractive woman is uh, picking up or dropping off kids for uh, baseball or something. Oh, okay. And this song is playing in the background. These guys, a, a lot, a lot of their songs were used for various, various things, commercials, um, you know. So that doesn't surprise me. This is a song about Stacy's mom. Apparently, she has it going, going on, on, which I think means that she's found a great deal of success at her job. <laughs> the, I, I know what she said early on about this being, you know, the kind of a curse or a blessing, but this song is instantly accessible. 
Sure, it it's is. a perfect blend of new wave and power pop. It's obviously influenced by the cars, particularly. Oh yeah, just got what most, I needed. Yeah, you got, exactly. Um, it's got the most cars like beginning. Um, and I, and I'm going to confess something. I did not know this was a Fountains of Wayne song. Oh really? Yeah, I, I knew the song, but I had. It's. And I got to admit, I also dismissed it. But then I was listening to it with my son, and he goes, "Is this Stacy's mom?" I went, "I don't know." And all of a sudden, the Stacy's mom chorus came in. And I went. Well, it's a good song. It's uh, it's funny. Adam Schlesinger said it was inspired by a friend of his who had a thing for his grandma. <laughs> and he said, he said, well, he goes, he explains it. Doug just gave me a funny look. He explains it by saying it was that weird point in your youth where you're just starting to get an understanding of the opposite sex. So anybody who's in a near kind of near vicinity is weirdly attractive to you in an odd way. This song was, uh, was a big hit for them. It peaked at number 21 on the billboard hot 100. It was their first song to ever chart. Actually, it hit number three on the U S mainstream charts, number 12 on the U S hot rock and alternative chart. Number 11 in the UK, Aaron him a Grammy nomination, which we talked about earlier about uh, best vocal performance and best new artist. Um, and it was, uh, it topped the, um, VH one, uh, top 20 countdown and MTV's total request live. It hit number one on both of those. Uh, it's, uh, it's got hand claps in it, which I love. I've got notes the, right here about hand claps. <laughs> the, uh, there's a, there's a point in it where he's talking about, uh, mowing the lawn and there's this nice little kind of arpeggio thing going on in it i love the the kind of buddy holly vocal thing that he does Uh, uh, i i just i i don't want it i i never i know it was the hit (laughs) i never get tired of hearing this song i never skip it and i love that little uh all the the uh distorted vocals at yeah. the end of every yeah. uh, verse and, and the way it stops dead is so and new wavy it, it's not only that not it but there's the pre there's a pre-chorus yeah, yeah. so this is a f- sophisticated song yeah. there's a pre-chorus there's a bridge yeah. there's it's it's a but you know what i mean song. by that kind of new wave thing oh, where yeah. songs are just stop dead in their tracks yep. um i again it's is it the best song That's on the album cars not, thing not, again it is yeah. Not by a long shot is this the best song on the album, but I never skip it. I never get tired of it. Nope. I love this song. Love I will it. listen to it over and over again. I think it's great. I'm going to listen to this whole album over and over yeah. again. It's a great song. Ladies and um, gentlemen, Tony likes this song. <laughs> My do. favorite part is how confident the kid is that this lady's <laughs> losing her mind well, for him. My, my, my favorite bit, line-wise, in the whole thing is how he he he. Gain, he he feels that she's um, interested in him the way she says you missed a spot over there. Mm-hmm. I think that is so funny. Not over there, over there. Uh, 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 yeah. But she's in a towel when she says uh, it. That's, she is. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of my favorites comes up next. Oh. Uh, this this um, song has such a compelling chord progression. It does. It just sucks you in. This is. J.M., do you know about Hackensack? <laughs> is that New Jersey? It is New Jersey, 46,000 people. I thought it was Hacky Sack, like it used to play on soccer yeah. game, but... I- I want to say one very, very important thing for any pop power pop geeks out there listening. 
This song clocks in at exactly three minutes. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's it's a standout on this album. I think I, I think it's even better than Stacy's mom. Well, well, yeah. There's the, yeah. yeah. You know what's funny is obviously. I mean, this is uh, every time I hear it, I think of Centerfold by the Jay Giles Band. Yeah, but it's so much more um, wholesome than that song yeah, it is. is. It is, um, but it's the same sort of thing about this kid who grew up. This girl he had a crush on, and then she goes on to other things. Yeah, the girl in this song goes on to, I, for Stardom. lack of a term, more respectable things than the girl in Centerfold does. Right. But. Um, Here's what's going to blow your minds, guys. Um, this song was originally much more upbeat when they conceived it. It was not a. It was not a. Um, well, it's not I necessarily downbeat. It, well, it's on a line. It's it's on a line between yeah. being uh, sarcastic and laughing at this poor loser, and at the same time. Sympathize. Sympathize. Well, what Sl- what yeah. Schlesinger says is he doesn't think, and I don't know, I disagree with him on this, but he said he said he didn't think it was necessarily a, a a heartbreaking song. It's the melody that makes it heartbreaking. But I'm not sure how you have a line in there where the guy says, "I used to work in a record store. Now I work for my dad, scraping the paint off the hardwood floors. The hours are pretty bad," and not say it's a heart, not a heartbreaking song. Well, it's yeah. not just the lines; it's the juxtaposition after. He recognizes that she has been on TV and yeah. magazine. Yeah. Talking to Christopher Walken. Yeah. But um, I, I tell you what, I, the, the lyrics on here, I, if if you have to say it out loud, you've already ruined it. Th- listen to what he does. We sat together in peri- period one, Fridays at 8.15. Yeah. She does not remember him. Right. She doesn't remember when period right. one was, right. she and none of that said, but this that is such good writing yeah. out yeah. there. Yeah, um, he's he's reaching in someplace on that song. It's it's funny. My I was when I was talking to my friend Rich about this song. He was he was he said, "Well, you guys have got to talk about the Billy Joel song that mentions Hackensack, um, which is uh, moving out, where he yeah. says, who needs a house in Hackensack?' But I don't think Rich realizes Hackensack's really in a lot of songs. It's uh, that's it's a great a, nice a, name for a town. Well, there's a Thelonious Monk instrumental called Hackensack. Yeah. There's a Tom Rush song about Hackensack. So it wasn't just Billy Joel talking about it. Producer. But I, I don't know if you guys are aware that Katy Perry covered this song. I was aware that she and covered so this it, song. And so going back, oh, to, yeah. go, all about going back to what Al, Adam Schlesinger said about the melody making this song uh, melancholy, she completely removes that aspect of the song when she sings it. It is... It it loses its poignancy. It's not a bad version of it, but she's not able to do to yeah, the song. Because she is the person. What? Yeah. <laughs> no. Good point. Very good point. I hadn't That's even thought about that. Song for yeah. her to say. It, she doesn't understand it. Whereas Chris Collinwood and Adam Schlesinger are those people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know. Uh, yeah. This is a this is a fantastic oh, song. That's a great. It's and going back to what you said, the best song. Get, get, I I. It's a tough. It's a toss up, yeah. but it's good. But going back to what you said, Doug, about how they're able to to intersperse soft and heavy, um, and do it so well. It's not you're not you're you don't get that kind of whiplash effect going from you know going from Stacy's mom to this song. It's it's it seems just appropriate to do so. Yeah, exactly. You know the chord progression is wonderful, and the mood, the pace, and the 
Yeah. Well, Those I compelling think compelling use of minors that drag I, you in. Yeah. I, I think it's worth mentioning just so we don't have to keep sounding like a broken record. When we talk about this album sounding like something or writing as something, it's not saying it's ex- it's not identical. No. But there is th- these guys are pulling from such a large kind of palette well, of then, music. It's another way of saying they have a large vocabulary. Right. Musical vocabulary. Yeah. They really do. They can pull from uh yeah, they can pull from many sources. Yeah. Okay. Now we move on. No better place. Back and forth inside your mind. Just how that sound to find you. Dressed you up, painted on your face. Now you're leaving New York for no better place. Sounds like the start of suspicious minds. It well, does. But I, but I've got a it also sounds like the beginning of uh, Burning Love. I So here's the thing about this. Going back to what you said about Hackensack being lyrically the best song on the album, I think this one is. Oh, I'm not. It's 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 a the lyrics are a little bit obfusc- more obfuscated than they are in Hackensack. Well, I mean, um, you know, he's got the the opening line of this song. Is that supposed to be your poker face, or was someone yeah. run over by a train? Yeah. That is a brilliant that line. That is a brilliant line. And then he talks about, he says, uh, he's talking about her, he says, kicked around the happy hour till happy hour found you where you, you drink that smirk right off your face. Another That's incredible line. line. Drink yeah. that smirk off your face. Um, and this is a guy pining for somebody who's leaving him. Yeah. And, and sarcastically saying she's moving because New York there's nothing better than New York. Where yeah. could you be going? Yeah. And so he's he's convincing himself that, you know, um, and and the way it lyrically, the way it ends with that guy going to a party and sitting in a chair by himself and staring off to space. I don't know. It, it just it it sums up exactly. It, it's per, what you said earlier, Doug, about how if you have to explain it, you're not doing it. Just, just that right there where he says, park me in the corner of an old chair, sip my drink and stare off into space. You know exactly how that guy's feeling. He's yeah. miserable. Well, then miserable. there's a, but then there's that exploding scent that comes in throughout this. I well, have, I have a note here on that, Jim. Do you want to guess what I wrote? <laughs> that just is a distraction? No. What? I love it. I like it too. It reminds uh, me of uh Strange Noises stranger. and other albums I like. <laughs> yeah. He's got this uh rising lilt in his voice. Yeah. Uh that gives it it takes a, away a little bit from his anger. It it's got this happy res- resolution right. But that thing comes in a that little bit and in. darkens it out well, again. And I, and I love how the guitar seems to swirl around yeah, the lyrics. Yeah. It's like it's this weird. I don't know how to describe it because I'm not a musician, but it just kind of swirls yeah, around. Swir- well, he's, the stanzas, he's at that beginning, you know? that that, that um, same thing. And and uh, and I know we haven't talked much about the drummer, but the drummer on this song oh, is, he is great. He's fantastic. The drums are it. great on yeah. this song. Um, and the solo, that little kind of weird countryfied solo, I yeah. think really adds kind of to the almost to the the lo- feeling of longing, yeah, the, the, you know, exactly the longing, uh, the, the loneliness. That yeah, is. yeah, it's it's yeah. something else. <laughs> anyway, I had a lot of fun with all of that. Um, oh. <clears throat> all right, uh, Winter Valley song. The snow is Song to play for you. 
This is probably Doug Cooper's favorite song on the album. It, and it's my favorite song on the album. It's not mine, but go ahead. I'm not I love not, the but, guitar playing on yep. it. I love yep. that. It takes me We have to, some acoustic guitar, ladies and gentlemen. It, is this not... It, there's two songs on this album that I think Paul Simon would have been very happy to have written, and I think <laughs> well, this I is... Know what the other so one funny is. you said. Yeah. I thought the back so say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah the, but this song, this song feels that way too. It feels very Paul very Simon, very finger picky, um, and yeah, yeah. He said Chris Collinwood said this song's essentially about him. <laughs> it's so really? it's autobiographical. It's just beautiful. I mean, it's absolutely. Beautiful. Uh, it's funny. I didn't know it was your favorite song. You you noticed I was singing it when I came in. It's so damn descriptive that you can close your eyes when you listen to right. it and just feel the cold. This is one that puts you into a trance. I remember yeah. where I was the first time I heard this. Yeah. Um, if a song affects you, you remember where you first heard it. And I remember I started thinking, I wish I could just drive all the time. And then I got into this little thought process where I used to fantasize about being a pumper up in the panhandle and just driving around and checking pumping units at the oil field. And that would be my job. And I could listen <laughs> to music the whole day. And, uh, that's what was going on in my brain because of this song. It yeah, is such, I, um, tra it's transporting. Um, well, I listened to it. Yeah, I, I listened to it while I was running when it was cold, and then I was in Colorado last week, and I was listening to it while I was walking. Yeah, again, it was cold and snowy. As like, well, oh, lyrically, I it's also just yeah. a remarkable song. The way the, I mean, just all the lyrics that the way he describes the. Oh, and his vocals are just oh, absolutely yeah. lovely. I mean, they I, are. I hate to say that. No, about no, a no, guy, no, 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 no. They, they are. are. <laughs> But the, the 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 you know the way he describes the freeway being choked mm -hmm. by salt and snow yeah. and oh, I mean just, again you can just you can it's you can palpable do, almost right. really um, and it also has another fantastic countryfied guitar solo oh the solo is <laughs> here's, amazing here's, you got this great verse and then it goes into pre-chorus it's irresistible yeah that pre-chorus is irresistible I do want to just mention a factual thing. Uh, Bay State evidently is the Bay State Hotel, which was in Northampton, Massachusetts, which is where a bunch of that's where local bands would get their start. Yeah, that's where Smith's college is too, because so. that's where all the girls are. Ah, there you go. I know nothing. Oh, Boston's about not a big college town. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a song that made me realize that I was thankful that Tony brought. Up this album exactly. Yeah, I, was, I, I always feel good when you when you say this, that. Doug. This must be uh, like when Tony was jogging and he heard a change is going to come. I think Tony had further to go. Yeah, from where he was. I, this is uh, a wonderful song. Um, if if you think um, you hate Stacy's mom and you're not going to like this, just go listen to this song, and I think it will shut you up and get yeah. you to listen to the rest of the album. Yep. Okay, we could spend the rest of the night on that song as far as I'm concerned. But I tell you what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to move to the next song, All Kinds of Time. He's got all kinds of time. He's got all kinds of time. All kinds of time. He's got all kinds of time. So, for the longest time... This was a song I ignored. And and what I mean by that was I listened to it, but I didn't really pay attention to it. I'm going to say something that's, that's shocking. What ignore means. I'm going to say something that's shocking. I think this may be my favorite song on this album right it's now. It's a great song. It is <laughs> and, not and, and, and it's so song. And it's so simple, 
But it is maybe the most perfectly constructed pop song on this album. Well, it, it's the and, least complicated. And the way besides the country song, it just the way Chris Collingwood's raises the pitch of his voice oh, at the end of each line. Amazing. The the harmony is unbelievably beautiful in the song. The soaring soaring guitar solo, which by the way is played by Smashing Pumpkins guitarist yeah, James. James Aha. Yeah. It is it's obviously more about more than about a guy playing football, uh quarterback playing football, but it's such it's so simple and beautiful and and poignant. I keep saying poignant, but this whole album is full of poignant well, it's songs. It's just one of those songs that, going back to there's just some very subtle things that just bring you like, okay, I've got that vision in my head. Mm-hmm. And then there's the next verse that sort of, it's, is a totally different scene, but at the same time, it takes you to the same place and it, you're, 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 he's building on that and he is so good. But, but I also think there's a, a, there's a layer of cynicism in the song too. Sure. Because at the end of it where he, I mean, I know it fades out all kinds of time, but the end of it where he gets to that line where he, he he's either repeating the chorus or whatever. And then it just kind of stops. Yeah. It's like, okay, what does this mean? This guy, this is that point in time where all, we've all been there where we think the world is our oyster and we have everything, we have the, the everything's in front of us, mm-hmm. but the reality is right. That ain't the case. That's right. Yeah, this Yeah, when you're that age, you yeah. think everything is yeah, I can do anything. Okay, I can still party now and then everything. And and I want to repeat again, guest guitarist, but the solo is really good yeah, on this. And you can it tell it's another good uh I I got a question for you too. Uh-huh. When we're watching this scene with this quarterback, it is in I guess he's in uh the shotgun setting. That sounds like something JM would say. You mean, is it real <laughs> time or is it a flashback? Is that what you're asking? We're in slow motion, aren't we? Oh, slow motion. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we are. But the song sounds like, like slow, slow motion. motion. You're I right. I don't know you're how right. to describe it. No, you're it's right. It's not going... No, 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 no but you're right. It, it's, but it's, it's brilliant. It, the song has all kinds of time. Yeah. The, the song gives you a very convincing feeling of slow motion and various angles staring at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's and now, now here's something that occurred to me that I'm sure is wrong. But when I look at these guys and see interviews with them, I think that they probably had to sit down with someone and do a little research <laughs> and say, Okay, who's the guy that that holds the ball? Yeah. And throws no, they're they're definitely uh, yeah. I mean, Adam Schlesinger sure. probably did not write this one. Well the thing the thing is, um I mean the, the I just want to read this description where he says he looks to the left, he looks to the right, and there in the golden ray of light is his open man. That's so descriptive. Yeah. It's great. You know, this song was actually used by the NFL in 2005. Really? Yeah, which when I heard it, I thought, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds exactly like the guys I was making fun of earlier that don't spend any time. You know what uh, came to to my head? It came, that uh, that Lou Reed song off of... um, Sally can't dance. I want to play football for the coach. Yeah. Um, it, it reminded me as like, hey, he just I, hit something there. I was just a little surprised that listening to this album, that this was a song I kept coming back to, and it hit me in a weird way that it hadn't before. Again, when I said I was ignoring it, it was just, it wasn't that I didn't, li- I listened to it, I sang along with it, but I paid attention oh, to so, it. The, the vocals are just so earnest. Yeah. It, and he's, yeah. Well, there's nothing, there's nothing about that song that yeah. there's not a line that makes you go, 
Ooh, <laughs> there's not, there's yeah. not a uh, line that grabs you like that, or um, there's not really a hook uh, in the guitars. Yeah, it's it's almost ambient. It is, yeah. it is, but it is, it is again. Like I said, it's almost a perfect pop song. It's maybe, in my opinion, the most perfect pop song in this album. Well, the next song. We're. I think we're going to have to do some splaining to the younger people out there. <laughs> Next um, song is "Little Red Light." It's not right. It's not fair. You're still a mess, and you still don't care. I go to work, I come back home, but you're still gone, and I'm still alone. And the little red light's not blinking. So this was no connection for the to, longest uh, the police. The longest time. That's funny. The longest time. This was my favorite song on the album. It's funny when you say explain it to people. I don't think people who young kids who know what a cell or carry a cell phone understand what it was like to come home and see your answering machine blinking and know. Oh, I've got a message. Wonder could it be? Yeah. And if you broke up with somebody, that was that longing for that light to blink and hit and play and hoping it was that person is. And this is your landlord. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's it's blinking. And why were they all red? Every one of these lights was red. And I can remember so clearly asking a girl. I remember breaking up whenever I would break up with a girl or I got broken up with, I would just pull the line out of the. Well, that must um, have been out of the wall a lot. the, the the (laughs) The funny thing about this song, just like I mentioned earlier about a song having a different feel to it this was a ballad when it was composed <laughs> wow well, yeah it's got that incredible synth line I'm, in it yeah well there's nothing i mean it's hard to imagine this song as a ballad because it's such an out ballsy out out and out rocker yeah um there's i'm i i, I hate to that i can't get away from this but again we're talking about brilliant songwriting yeah this and there's a generation that will not be able to feel. They'll be able to comprehend, yeah. but they won't be able to feel. I remember asking a girl out, and there would be that rule where they have to wait yeah. a day or two before they call you mm-hmm. back. Yeah. And you'd be, you be you have to understand, you're not looking at your phone when you're out eating or when you're at work. <laughs> it's at home by itself, and it's going to record it. And if you come home and it's blinking, yeah. sometimes it would blink once, and that would well, be yeah, one yeah, call. Well, yeah. Or you go, there'd be two calls. Yeah. There'd be three, and you go, oh, she's got to no, be right, one of you're those. You're right. There's yeah. nobody's nobody of a certain age is going to understand the um, the Angst. hopefulness. Yeah. Well, the hopefulness that seeing that light when you were waiting for somebody to call you, what that meant, yeah. or the depression of coming home and it's just a solid red light that yeah, doesn't, doesn't blink. Doesn't blink. Right. Oh. Yeah. 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 Anyway, and and, and this guy goes my guts this back guy up. yeah <laughs> this guy goes through all the various versions of what you could get for a red light um it's it's, so it's great and then there's a churning guitar in it that's just remarkable yeah um this uh again like i said for the longest time was my favorite song it is it puts the power in power pop it's it's a fantastic this song. is this is a, the guitar playing it's almost like pump with the yeah yeah the the grinding away solid uh power yeah. chords yeah. All right it's hey uh, Julie hey Julie look what they're doing to me trying to trip me up trying to wear me down 
Yeah, it's the acoustic number, and it's the uh, Office Space song. <laughs> uh, it well, it's starts, the most. Hope- it even starts with the rhythm, like Cecilia. It's yeah. the most hopeful song on the album because at yeah. least this guy has someone to go home right. to. And <laughs> to, even though, even to, though stylistically, it's a lot like Cecilia. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, he's not copying the tune at all. No, nor, and it, nor the subject. No, matter. but again, this is a song that I think if Paul Simon written, he'd be he'd be okay with it. Yeah, he'd be real proud of it. Um, the uh. And, and and if I could it's say, so if, brilliant, if huh? the bridge doesn't put a smile on your face, yeah. you're dead inside. Right. I'm just going to say that. You're dead inside. And it's just so brilliant that it, they, they could have probably done something more to this song. And it's just that they kept it so basic percussion and acoustic guitar. It's just, and then the harmony vocals on it. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's, it's great. Um, it's so, as you said, it's so simple. It's a guy who's still stuck in the mundane, crappy office world, but at least he's got Julie to look forward right. to when he gets home. And she makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, the guitar strumming is, yeah, uh, uh, really well done. Uh, yeah, he's he's changing chords every uh, almost every, every, every beat, like and, every bar. Uh, he's changing. It's chords. real smooth and clear. Um, I mean, you can imagine other people singing this song. But his type of voice is essential oh, for really, this. It song. is. Yeah. It is. It's, yeah. a, it's a perfect word. It's essential for There's this. There's so many people who couldn't sing this who have great voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't, if you think you're going to escape this album, listen to this one too, and I think you will find out that you have passed the yeah. singularity. <laughs> <laughs> you're past the event horizon. Is yeah. what I was looking for. <laughs> You're going no, I got the singular the singularity makes more sense actually. Anyway, great one. Okay. We have our we I think we have our first miss on the album coming up next. <laughs> this, What's the song? This song it should be called Why? Yeah, but it's the called The actual name is Haley's Waitress. Yeah. It's like she's been agree this is the first miss on this album i think it's not one of it's the most broadway sounding well well the harm and then the harmony vocals are amazing they are but that's so weird because it gets into that weird 60s funk guitar riff going on but the harmony is still power poppy so it's like this weird i mean it's a it's this album does this album and a lot of bands do this where they'll 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 kind of play on one thing over another but it doesn't work it's dissonant in this song it's not yeah, it does it, not it, work it doesn't work and no, um nothing and they, works nothing and works. and if, if some of you may not understand the the guitar sounds that we're talking about it's but like the Barry have you ever White. seen a film Shaft. where someone is delivering a pizza to an attractive woman <laughs> and like, he has a really cheesy oh, you're mustache right. you're right uh, it's got a porn guitar sound well, in it well I wasn't going to say that Tony because oh, I, I will say it podcast. it's a porn guitar I thought Shaft but I think you're right about that it's more porn guitar than it's, Shaft it's, it's a wah-wah they're using a wah-wah saying it's a play yeah. I'm guessing it's a play on Haley's Comet yeah. Because she's never around, but right. I I don't know. It's this it's, one doesn't work. It does not work. Well, and if it, it works. It's weird. It's so sophisticated that it's beyond. Well, me. it is. It is a very sophisticated song. It does never. It hardly ever goes to the one. 
it the gotcha. whole it song doesn't is, resolve. Is, it does it never resolves. I think we've talked enough about that we song have, because we have we it. have such a great song to talk about next. That's this awesome. is clever. Um, it's so clever. Hung up on you. <laughs> to be untrue. Like you did today, you'll say goodbye in the same old way. Ever since you hung up on me, I'm hung up on you. So I, got, I have a question for you guys. All right. Could you not hear the burritos doing this song? Oh, easily. I couldn't. I couldn't. Not hear the hear song them. without hearing the burritos. <laughs> yeah, this song is so. I mean, but, I mean, it's, but, it's almost too clever for the but, burritos. But yeah. here's here's the thing. I, I'll get. I'll grant you that, Jam. But here's the thing. That it's not. It's a country song, but it's yeah. not. You don't hear this and go, "Oh, that's a throwaway," or "Oh, that's a oh, gimmick." No, no, no. This is a country this song. Is a country done song. with 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 respect, respect for the genre. It, it was um, like it yeah, was what this the lyrics needed. Um, this isn't they're all in stones. You hung yeah. up on me. So I read I hung five up red lights in his yeah. honor or whatever. <laughs> no. Lyrically, it's as good as anything on this yeah. album. What is it's, it? You hung up on me, but I'm still hung up yeah. on you. Yeah. I mean, it's got that, you know, it takes that kind of trope that you do. Because the yeah. best country songs have that little twist, they right? Have those and this one does that. Um, it's got that fantastic piano in it. Yeah. Uh, there's a guest steel player on it by the name of Robert Randolph, who was uh, is in a band called uh, Robert Randolph and the Family Band. They're a gospel band with the oh, lead musician or lead instrument being a steel guitar. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He does a fantastic job on it. But, it's, it's impossible to think of not dancing to this song. Oh, this yeah. is uh, if 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 he if these guys from New Jersey stood up at the Broken Spoke <laughs> and started playing this, <laughs> well, everybody, everybody in the whole place well, would I don't be on their feet. Be singing I think it. it's obvious this is a Chris Collingwood song. That's got to be because it's country. Yeah. And the name of the band, one of the names of the bands he was playing with at the time is called Mercy Bucket. I tried to find them online, but I couldn't. But mm. I, I the the thing about this song again is the respect it gives to the the oh, whole yeah. genre. It's not it's tongue just, in cheek, and that's it, where it's got a, the Graham Parsons. Yeah, uh, this is a country song, and it fits. That's the oh, other yeah, thing it, about it. Perfectly. It fits. It's it's not. It doesn't stand out. You're not like, huh? You hear the song, it's instantly accessible. It's um yeah, it's it's just great. Well, when you say it fits, I think it goes beyond fitting because. Considering what it follows, it's liberating. Yes. Yeah, no, I it's, agree. It's I like agree. somebody's uh, aunt was up there doing a little special, and then the band gets back up <laughs> and takes it away. That's pretty good, Doug. All it needs is someone going, "Ah." Oh. Well, I'm glad you guys. I'm glad you guys got. I mean, it's obvious for anyone who I guess knows the burritos that this yeah. sounds like something. Oh, uh, the immediate, immediately, yeah. yeah. Okay, here comes uh, Fire Island. December when you went to Steamboat Springs Which is a barrier island it is in New York. Out off off the I guess the southern shore of Long Island. Here's the thing about this song. I love this song, but it really thematically fits Utopia Parkway better, which was about teenage suburbia. Less so than this album, which is not about teenage suburbia. Right. That being said, it's a good song. I mean, and we've all been there, right? I mean, like a, you find out that somebody's parents are out of town and there's going to be a party and all that. Well, here's the thing about this. 
This guy's describing a bunch of crazy things happening, but he's doing it so matter-of-factly. Mm-hmm. It's that's what adds kind of to the song, yeah. you know. Well, and I, and it's I love also kind of naked sweet. people yeah. in this. It is, and I love how how when he's describing the awful things, one of them is feeding chocolate to the dog. Yeah. The other one's jumping on the couch. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's, um, it's uh, <laughs> this is kind of the same pace as um, all kinds of time. Yeah, it's it's a little that same. Yeah. Yeah, I hear slow motion again on this one. I do with too. Kids jumping on the couch and they're in the air going slowly. But but think think about this. Regardless of whether it fits thematically on this album, it does pretty much perfectly capture that oh, moment yeah. in time. Like you said, Jam, where we're all there, where your parents are out of town, or you know somebody's parents are out of town, and you go and you kind of cut loose. And I love I love the thing about the chorus being the kid. <laughs> pleading with the parents that they we don't we don't need a babysitter we're <laughs> yeah. old enough to hang out by ourselves remember and, that time yeah and then it's like course, the kids on bikes uh yeah it reminds me of 10 kids and the one thing i wonder is is the fact the parents are off at fire island <laughs> fire island is that ironic you guys really don't have any business telling us how we're acting <laughs> if you're out at Fire Island. Exactly. Oh, I don't true. know enough about Fire Island or any of that yeah. to know if that's... Well, they were at Steamboat earlier. Yeah, they were the at Steamboat <laughs> In Colorado? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know they came all the way over here to ski. I thought they liked skiing those little icy uh, hills they have they over say, there. It feels a little off just because of thematically it's younger. I agree. It's a little bit off, but, but it's, it's still a fantastic it's, it's song. It's such a fun little song. Yeah. And we've all been there. Yeah. You know, we've all... We've all <laughs> I love how the song is about Fire Island, but it's the parents right. being in Fire Island. Yeah, it's not Island. about it's not Fire like Island. you're in Fire Island. No, it's about them hanging out and doing, like I said, feeding chocolate to the dog. It sounds, it sounds like they get more excited about the parents' vacation than parents do. Well, who doesn't? Your parents out of town, time, yeah, to, yeah. time to cut loose, right? I must have been too scared of my parents. I don't know. I had to replace My parents the, never left. <laughs> But I will say I went to a few parties where parents were not around. That was right. different. Yeah. yeah. When it's not your own parents. <clears throat> okay. Up next, we have Peace and Love. Peace and This one doesn't do anything for me. Too. I like this song. Now, I this, like this song, this is, this, uh, but it's this, not my favorite. This I, is I, this, this is what I would say is a third song because I think there's a definite second that doesn't go on. This is the third song that I hear people say, "Eh, doesn't fit. I don't like it." I, I love. A, I don't know. This is a fun little song. I love the synthesizer, that percolating synthesizer underneath it. it, it it's where, a, where that. Uh, it's a bit of a throwaway. I will grant you that. Yeah. Um, you know what it reminds me of. <laughs> You're going to throw something at me when I say this. It reminds me slightly of Island in the Sun by Weezer. I don't know that song. No. So. Well, anyway, <laughs> it's, it's it's similar to that. It's Look, I don't, I, I don't love this song. I don't hate it. I'm not sad like it's on the album. I listen to it when it comes on. I don't skip it. I find myself doing a little jig in the car, singing well, yeah, peace I, and love. Yeah. And, but it's got the synthesizer. That's one of the things I like yeah. about it is that the synthesizer is put in the low end so you got that dichotomy of the what's the most interesting synthesizer on the album and i yeah. love the i love the woo 
woos yeah, going on. Woos I mean, good. I get it, Doug, that this doesn't do anything for you. And I and it and it, it lyrically and everything else is a low point on this album in terms of the standard that's been set prior to this. I get all of that. But I don't think it's a song that I I never skip it. I'll put it that way. I listen to it. Yeah, I, I I would not skip it. <laughs> yeah, this is this starts with the what is it? A radio announcing something? Or I think a, it's, a, a, oh, it's a traffic, it's a traffic yeah, air traffic yeah, air traffic controller. This is a song. This is a song about a band on the road. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, bought for a song. We've we've returned to the uh, faster speed rockers that uh, yeah that are sprinkled through this album. Again, I'm I'm a sucker for synthesizers being well <laughs> used, and the the synthesizer that comes in while the air traffic controller yeah. is talking is just mesmerizing. Well, how to about me. the just the simple banging of the yeah. drum, which is so great and <laughs> yeah, effective. Yeah, it's this. so it's so, and it doesn't come it's in exactly when you, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. You don't. It, it is come late in. or something. I it don't is. know what's going yeah. on. I, I think this has the best solo on the album. There's also a new voice here. Yeah. Oh, that kind of grunge, growly. He's, yeah, he's singing differently. Yeah, he's got yeah. that kind of growl. Yeah, he's going got a on. great voice. He does. God. He shows. He shows. Uh, oh, you that uh, could only be sweet, huh? Well, yeah. he doesn't get grungy, but. No, it gets he, uh, growly, which you know. There's I'm, some gravel. In I'm also a sucker. I'm a sucker for growly vocals. Everybody yeah, in the yeah, world right, loves yeah. growly vocals. Yeah, but he does. They, a, he does a great job. Someday of it. somebody's going to explain why that is so attractive. Yeah. What makes Rod Stewart so attractive? Well, I'm just thinking, thinking about. I'm just thinking about McCartney when McCartney does that growl. Is just uh, that hits me yeah. right where I yeah. love. You know. Yeah, well, everybody thing. loves it, and I don't. I don't know why. Yeah. It's yeah. a strange. Strange thing. Okay. Super Collider. When you go out of the blackness into the great big sky, Super Collider, shooting inside your mind. You know, so is this a this this is this a guest appearance by uh, Oasis on this album? I, know. I have the exact same super campaign supernova. Everybody yeah. has that. I mean, Oasis does it better. I'm sorry, I love Fountains of Wayne, but this song does not need to be on the album. No. If I want to listen to Oasis, I'll listen to Oasis. Um, you know. I do love the the synthesizer parts are are pretty cool on it, but yeah, it doesn't, I, this is this is the it's other song exploding synthesizer. This is the other song I think you could take off. Yeah, you you'd have take the perfect, in my opinion, the perfect fourteen song album if yeah. you took took this song. It's not yeah. a bad song. It's, it's not, just they're no, not doing anything. But they're not doing anything that's new, making me go, "Hey, wow! I really got to hear this right. band." Right. right, right, right. First thing that happened to me when I heard this <laughs> is I thought Beatles and I thought John Lennon Beatles. Ah, uh, yeah. I I heard that. Which always makes me think of Oasis. Always makes me think of <laughs> John Lennon. Yeah. So. The way he started distorting his voice at the end of the Beatles, where yeah, he almost yeah. never sang without some sort of right, distortion. Right. Uh, I like this song. Um, <laughs> no, what I'm saying you like it better than Peace and Love. Oh, yeah, a okay. lot better. Okay. But this, See, I, don't. I like what this does to my brain a little bit. Um, yeah. This is like being the drums in an undertow, and then the, the wave takes you this way, and the undertow's taking you I, this way. I, I, I feel think, like I'm getting... 
spin again it's not bit. necessarily a bad song i just don't think it's anything that brings anything it does it doesn't, it doesn't add bring, to the album there's to nothing me. new to the there's table there's nothing on, new yeah. yeah i like i think there's new sounds from this band that we haven't heard on this well there is album. that exploding but i think there's other bands amazing, that yeah. do this better no no I, i'm not i'm not leaving the band i'm not leaving this album when i mean it's like there's a new thing i can here. see brian eno probably doing something again with cool. brian eno oh my god <laughs> He's, I can't stop talking about Brian Eno. Yeah, yeah. Well, J- Jam's been had a crush on him for a long Evidently. time. Evidently. More, more than 30 years. Poster of him above his bed. <laughs> Yours and mine. Picking up the paper. Coffee's been made. It's book review and face the nation time. Two in the same mind. Yours and mine. So um, I don't understand if this song is a is a, a a bitter song or a positive song because the first line sounds like he's commenting on the fact that yeah. everything's separate, including the wine. We're div- divvying everything else, and then the yeah. end of it, he says um, everything's the same. We're yeah, he's got that the the uh, what is it the line that he says um, two in the same mind. What yours yeah. mind? So it sounds like that. I I have no idea. I mean. Regardless, I think it's a perfect way to end the album. Yeah. It's a nice... 49 seconds. Nice way to kind of ease out of the album. Yeah. Uh, I don't... What is that instrument at the end? I is think it it's... an accordion? No, or a I think it's a synthesizer trying to sound it, like a concertina. But it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect way to end this album. It's a pleasant way. It yep. kind of leaves you... You know, you're like, okay. You know? Yeah, it's great. Very good. It's a uh, a very good album out from nowhere, and in in my mind, this album popped out of nowhere. Of course, everything from <laughs> what what nineteen eighty on. Well, this no, is I I go I get to about eighty seven. Yeah, you, and then yeah, leave yeah. me alone. I don't want to hear your crap, kid. So this is uh, <laughs> this was two thousand three. Is this the latest full album we've talked? I know we talked about it is. We, you know, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, but that was in an album war. This is the latest album we've well, talked Yan- about. Yankee, Yankee Hotel, Hotel Foxtrot came out before this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, what do I know? I don't. That's listen why to this that sounds album. like it so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I almost said something to get us censored on the uh, on the podcast. I don't want to do that. Well, um, our censor is right here, ladies and gentlemen. The very humble um so this band you know this album wasn't i mean it was a bigger commercial success than utopia parkway but one song in particular kind of carried the weight um they did two more albums after this um they recorded um traffic and weather in 2007 which is a great album i again as i said at the beginning of this everything this band does is worth listening to sure and then 2011 they released their final album which is called sky full of holes that album in particular is a very much you might really dig that album doug it's a mellower kind of approach a lot of people I put it on their more, desk. more acoustic uh, not, i wouldn't say acoustic it just maybe i was quite... watching said the acoustic deal they did turned them into that yeah well, it's 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 just not it's not as is as rock and in your face as the stuff on this and album. it made a lot of critics best album of the year it is in some ways got their most mature songwriting on it there's a song on there called action hero
which is uh, you can almost see it as being one of the characters in this album matured and settled down. Um, again, it's got that that humor going through it, but it, and the the poignancy of the songs. But it's it's oh, it's so great. I was really sad when these guys stopped making making music after 2011 because yeah. this was this, these guys were since they came on the scene were one of my favorite bands. Um, How did you find out about them? I, I just was hooked into the power pop scene, and this album came out. And well, it was is there a power pop? crowd that meets on the corner or how, how <laughs> no i think just word of mouth and my friend rich who's really dialed into the power pop scene uh i don't remember if he told me about it if we discovered them at the same time I and mean, we've kind of he and i have introduced each other to various things we he he I, he may have turned me on to fountains of wayne i turned him on to cotton mather i turned him on to some other bands he's turned me on to some other bands so uh i mean this made a splash you know grunge was the thing and then then Fountains of Wayne album debut comes out. It's like, what? Tuneful, funny, uh, well-written songs? Where is this Very been? well-crafted songs, um, yeah. Oh, they don't have to cover everything up with distortion. No, they don't. Right. Speaking of well-crafted, before we go into our rating, I just wanted to briefly mention, give a shout-out to Robbie Folks and his wonderful uh, nod to Fountains of Wayne called the Fountains of Wayne Hotline, <laughs> which was a song that he wrote... <laughs> Um, it's, it originated as a travel game with him and his traveling touring band. Uh, this album we're talking about tonight, Welcome to Interstate Managers, had just come out. And, uh, according to Robbie Folks, it was so super competent and so consistent that he imagined them being this kind of helpline that could help other songwriters. <laughs> in. So while they're driving around, they would do this. Anyway, they, they eventually, um, they eventually recorded the song. Um, and we'll put it on the website because it's brilliant. It, it, almost anything Robbie Polk's d- does is brilliant, but this song in particular is really funny and great. And you'll get you'll get it if you're a Fountains of Wayne song or fan. Um, but it, it's funny because people online are not sure if the, if the band was upset with it, but they weren't. First yeah. of all, Robbie Folks has said this was not poking fun at the band. He admires the hell out of them. This was an homage, but done with parody. And he actually met the band. They called him. They were playing in Chicago where he lived at the time. They called him up and wanted to meet him, and he came down. He said nothing spectacular happened from it, but lesson to the wise, if you want to meet your heroes, write a song about them is what he said. <laughs> so anyway, I, I will put it on the website, but it's definitely it's definitely worth hearing. It's It, it kind of hits all the notes we've been talking about tonight um, in a very funny way. All right. That's fantastic, Tony. You introduced us to a record I am positive i would never have stumbled onto in my life in that i am not in the power pop mafia well i'm gonna keep doing that i've got a couple of other ones I, I on am, my list that i'm sure you're gonna no knock doubt. you out so but, real quick before we wrap this up i just want to say that i only got to see this band live one time but i got to see them play at the old austin city limits oh uh, place. Oh, and a studio on a campus. Studio yeah, on campus. studio on campus for this tour. Wow. And it was it was remarkable. It wow. was absolutely remarkable. Well, some of you who uh, don't live in Austin don't know that when you go to that show, it's a intimate it experience. Is. Yeah. It's almost like they're in your lap. It is. It was yeah. great. It was great. So, yeah, I, was, I mean, if I was, only gonna, excellent. if I was only going to yeah. see him one time, that was the time to do it. Yeah, and the place to do it. Yeah, the place to do it. That's right. Well, thank you, Tony. 
excellent selection. I yep. love uh, one of the best things about doing this is uh, discovering new music. In fact, uh, the assumption that is required of us nowadays <laughs> is I don't know if I've ever discovered uh, new music as fast as I'm discovering it right now. I, because I, I, I agree, Doug. I think it's been it's been a real eye opener of stuff that I passed. I either passed over because I thought I gave it some sort of weird in my mind. It wasn't worthy of me listening to it, whatever that means. And then going right. back to it or just stuff you guys recommended that it just surprised me. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, well, that's good. So as as always, we will do a little review now. We give two ratings. One is how we would rate it if we were a critic and we didn't have a heart. And the other is how we feel about uh, the music personally. Will, will we listen to it again? Is it something we like? Uh, everybody should know in this audience that you can really not like an album and respect everything about it and think it's an excellent album. So we're trying to distinguish between those two ratings. Jonathan J.M. Rowe. And if you could depart from your humbleness <laughs> for a moment, what do you give this record? Well, um, I'm going to, as I usually do, I'm going to give my critics rating first. I'm going to give it a 4.0. And there's two reasons why I would knock it a point. Um, I think it's too long. I think this could easily have been like a 12 song album. It's, Tony said earlier, I think there were songs that would have been better off on other albums. The musicianship is incredible. The songs are incredible. And it's so well mixed and so well produced. It's probably one of the best songs I've heard from uh, this era and from this genre. My personal rating, four or five. And the only reason why I give it a uh, little bit short shrift is there's there's a couple of songs on there that 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 kind of plot along for me, um, but overall I think it's a fantastic album. I'll definitely be listening to this again, um, and probably more of their their work. I really appreciate Tony turning me onto this band and this album. Thank you, JM. Well, since it's Tony's pick, I'm going to go next, and I will just ask our listeners not to. Uh, quit after they hear my opinion, but go ahead and stay on and listen to Tony's. Um, this is outside of the type of music I listen to normally. It is also during the time period I called the Dark Ages, where I <laughs> shut down all music and was doing other things, or had moved on to uh, listen to the jazz almost exclusively. So uh, I missed this one, and I'm really glad uh, Tony brought it back. To my attention, I'm going to, as a critic, I'm going to give it a four or five. Uh, there's a few dings. I'm going to agree with JM. This album was uh, not edited. Now, it could have been much worse. It could have been like our show when if, it, if we didn't edit it. <laughs> but it could have it could have lo- lost a few songs. And there's there's another thing I haven't mentioned yet that uh, I find distracting. And I'm, I'm going to use a term, the tyranny of rhyme. I feel that some of the songwriting is being driven by rhymes more than more than I would have uh in in and it distracted me a little bit because it, at some points I was guessing this the next word or the next sentence before this is the first time I heard it so I I mean I'm guessing some of that 
I don't want to ding these guys too much for songwriting because they're excellent. They they make melodies uh, very well. It reminds me of when we talked about YouTube, how they could pull these uh, very melodic tunes out of thin air. Uh, that's a small little thing on the on the tyranny of rhyme. Uh, so I'm doing uh, four or five both. Uh, I think this is one of the most four or five albums I've ever heard. Uh, uh, and I am encouraging anyone who has dismissed this band because of the one hit uh, that you've made a huge mistake and you need to dive in. Very interesting arrangements. One of the cleanest albums I've ever heard. Yeah, uh, It's uh, just to get the instruments down on uh, tape so cleanly is something else. A good singer, two good songwriters, and I think a very tasteful guitar player. And the, the drumming solid also. Tony, yes, you Doug. picked this. You put us into this mess. I did. Um, I think four or five is a perfect rating for a critic. Personally, I think this is a power pop masterpiece. There are two songs I mentioned that give me a little bit of eh. Um, wow, wow, wow. So wow. <laughs> I, I can't give it a five because of that. Um, if those two songs weren't on this album, it would be a solid five. But because of that, I'm going to give it a 4.8. Um, this is an album not only will I listen to, but I do very often. <laughs> and now that I have it on vinyl and it sounds so fantastic, I listen to it as often as I can. It's been mastered so well. It sounds so good. Um, I, I, I will say this about the filler on it. This was in 2004. CDs had been around for a long time. I think bands in general didn't, especially a band that went into the studio on their own volition without a without a label, label behind them. I think they tended to just kind of do what they wanted, and they needed someone to edit them. And this band did not have they they could have. This is no knock on Adam Schlesinger as a producer because he's a fantastic producer, but they could have used another voice to say, you know what, this doesn't fit. Maybe this doesn't fit. They didn't I, have the power of the three-person decision-making that they, we have here. That is absolutely <laughs> right. You know, this was CD era, so it wasn't a double album. It likely would have been had it been released prior to that. There's very few double albums that I think deserve to be double albums. So knocking a couple of songs off of this. But yeah, 4-8, my personal opinion. Love this album. Love this band. I'm with Doug. You, gotta, you guys got to listen to this band. They deserve to be recognized and listened to by a vast majority of people. This is the most ton Tonian, Tonanian and, album of all. And then I'm going to mention this word again. Wait till Jellyfish and the old change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is more Tonanian than Jellyfish. Well, we'll see. That's just me. That's just me. Jam, Tony usually brings us a uh, recommendation. To, uh, he's he's in there with the kids, and yep. he knows what's popular. Yep. Uh Big T, can you give us a recommendation this evening? I'm happy to give you a recommendation. Nice save, by the way, Doug. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I'm going to recommend. I don't. I don't think I've recommended this album, so um, I'm going to recommend it. It's Radio Days, the band, and the album is Rave On! Exclamation point, which the exclamation point is needed. This is a an Italian power pop band. Oh yeah, they're great. They are. Great. They are great. This album was released in 2021, so it's fresh. Yeah. 
it is um it's not their first thing they've done but this band this is a band that does not mind embracing that label and embracing it head on yeah i i will just knock out a couple of songs that i think are stand out so jam can play them walk alone and when she wakes up she looks right to find an empty lonely side and that's the tiny Running around. If you want it, if you need it, I'm living now. I just can't hide it, baby. I still be back in this Both of those songs are fa- the whole album is so good. Do yourself a favor, check it out. It's distributed by Sounds Rad, which is short for Sounds Radical. They they are mainly a pop punk label, but they also they have grabbed onto this album. Listen to it and get it. All right, Tony. Well, thank you very much for introducing us to this album, Fountains of Wayne, their third album, Welcome Interstate Managers. You can look us up on our Facebook group page, and you can also look us up on Twitter. You can look us up on our any podcasting platform, and please, if you are up for it, give us a review. Leave us some stars. Tell us what you think. Also, we have a fantastic webpage, www.tappingvinyl.com, where you can find links to all our past episodes, our recommendations, and some extras that you won't find on our podcast. Next week, we'll be looking at an album by probably the Fathers of Elf Rock, Led Zeppelin, and their fifth album, Houses of the Holy. For our host, Doug Cooper, our co-host, Tony Slagle, and me, your humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe. This is Final Tap for all the podcasts go to 11. And reminding you, Stacy's mom... Got it going on.